0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, catechesis, apologetics, works of justice, and or charity. I will then spend time with your questions, pray with them, study them, and hopefully, respond back to your questions with an answer that is helpful for you to become a saint but my disclaimer is this and has always been this i'm not perfect and so therefore my advice that i give to you that i share with you might not always be good for you if that's the case for you then i want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that i say that does not help you to conform your life to jesus christ crucified however if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus in prayer so that God can give you the graces that you may need uh, to become a saint in your walk toward eternity, to fulfill the demands of discipleship, which can at times be be difficult. If you are a first time listener and if you want to send me your own questions, comments and or critiques, then I want to encourage you to hit me up with your own comments at www slash ask father Josh and you spell out the word ask, spell out the word father, spell out the word Josh. Um, you can do that. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. That helps other people to find out about the show. And you can share us on your social media pages if the show is a gift for you potentially. It can become a gift for other people as well. You can also order my book, Broken and Blessed, and uh, Pocket guide to adoration at ascensionpress.com and worship God with myself and my parochial vicar, Father Joseph Fu, on the Ascension Press Facebook page every Sunday at 7 o'clock a.m. Central, 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. On today's show, we're going to talk about the saints and the ain'ts. We're going to talk about incorruptible saints. We're going to discuss idolizing celebs. And we're also going to address papal infallibility. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is, is so simple this week, but it's just uh, so beautiful. Uh, God is so good. He is so generous with me. I was able to baptize a couple of babies this week, and I just love baptisms. I, one of my, you know, people, when you ask me what are my favorite things to do as a priest, I'll always tell you, right, hearing confessions, celebrating mass, anointing the sick who are preparing their, their lives for eternity, um, and, and baptizing people, especially babies, because when we're baptized, we become an indwelling of the Holy Trinity, we become the body of Jesus Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is so beautiful. We receive our charisms at our baptism, those supernatural gifts that God gives to us that that helps us to form disciples of Jesus Christ and our walk toward eternity. First Peter chapter three, verse twenty-one. Such a good reading from the New Testament. Baptism saves us, right? It saves us. That's whenever salvation begins for us, right there. Boom! Baptism. Uh, it's, the, it's just the gateway to the other sacraments. Uh, I just I love baptism, and so I got to do quite a few baptisms this weekend. That just always makes me smile. It makes me smile a lot. Uh, I'm just so grateful to God for the sacraments. So so good. So that's my glory stories. Your, your priest got to do some baptisms this weekend, uh, and I just I love I love celebrating that sacrament. So let's get to some feedback feedback is uh, this. This comes in from Adriana. Dear Father Josh, thank you so much for the last episode. Uh, Father Josh asked you questions. When you asked the question about naming things that bring you closer to God, I was easily able to answer, my husband is one of those people that brings me closer to God. Oh, praise God. That's that's the sacrament of marriage. Oh, praise God. But I was also easily able to answer that what was bringing me further away from God as well. And I've since Deleted my Facebook and other social media by Felicia. Uh let me see. Bye bye bye. <laughs> it's like what well, that's in sync. Bye bye bye. Uh social media. And your Facebook page. Bye bye. Uh 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 uh. Huh. Yeah, so anyways. So, and you've also gone to confession. Praise God. I love confession. These are your confessions. You deleted Facebook and social media from your Phone and your computer screen. Instead of being on my phone in the mornings, I'm now saying my prayers first thing in the morning. Ah, love that, so good. I'm trying to make God the center of my every day, and I would like for you to pray for me to be able to better do that. Thank you for your podcast. You are definitely one of my favorites, along with Father Mike Schmitz, praying for you, Father Josh, and for you to have eternal happiness. Adriana, thank you so much for your prayers. That's what I want. I want to be with Jesus forever forever ever forever ever i want to be with the lord so i need your prayers to persevere <laughs> for sure all right so let's go ahead and get into today's show first question comes in from Jay, uh, spelled out J-A-Y. Hey, Father Josh, love your podcast. I always think it's funny that you say you are directionally challenged because once in an airport in Atlanta, ATL, shout out to Atlanta. <laughs> That's Black Hollywood. Love that place. A lot of us were following you to the terminal because, hey, it's Father Josh. He must know where he's going. <laughs> no, trust me, I don't. I don't know where I'm going. I, I, just, I, I share my parishioners Uh, this a few days ago when I was in the Holy land uh, on the, on the feast of the uh, Memorial for the garden angels. um, I share with them that I was, I used to go to the Holy Sepulcher every morning and pray and I'm direction challenged. I ain't from the Holy land. And so uh, one morning while I was praying at like 3am there, all of a sudden my tummy started to rumble a little bit, right? You know what that meant? Had to use the bathroom, but I'm in a different land that I'm not familiar with. And so I didn't want to ask one of my like brother seminarians, one of the other deacons, like, hey, can y'all like walk me back to the hotel so I can go use the bathroom? I'm, I'm a grown man. What that looked like, a grown man saying, can you walk me to the bathroom? So I had my pride to keep in check. And I, so I said, guardian angel, I know you love me. I said, please give me back to the hotel because I got used to use the bathroom. And then please give me back to the Holy Sepulchre because I want to have some time of adoration. I want to have some time of intimate prayer with the Lord. And so I was able to get right back to my hotel, which was a while away from the Holy Sepulchre and back without any help from any other person except for my guardian angel, who I could just perceive saying, go this way, go that way, go this way, go that way. So, yeah, maybe that day in the airport when y'all was following me, maybe my guardian angel um, was speaking to me because, uh, yeah, I will get you lost real quick. So back to what you're saying. Uh, It was the weekend of the retreat for young adults in Camp Hidden Lake. Love that retreat, by the way. Yeah, that was um, Steubenville and Life Team collaborated to put that retreat together. It was me and um, a few other disciples of Jesus Christ who were super, super cool, and I was so grateful to minister with them. It was such a gift. Anyways, I recently heard about the body of Carlo Acutis. I don't know how to say his name. He's that young dude who's, who's incorruptible, and how it's incorrupt. Amazing. I read some articles on it, and they say that these bodies just take longer to decompose, so the church puts wax on... The body. What does it truly mean to have an incorruptible body? Also, praise God for Carlo Acutis, Acutis, Acas somebody, and the mission he shared. Praying for you, much blessings. Yeah, Jay, that's that's a great question. I love the incorruptible saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity. So, uh, in Scripture, one of the things that we read is how. Um, Jesus' body did not experience corruption while he was in the tomb. So he passed away, and he remained intact without being embalmed, without being waxed. He remained intact, and then, of course, he he resurrected from the dead. And so God, the Father, also provides that um, the body of some of his faithful ones, some of the members of the body of Christ, can also experience that which Jesus experienced, which is the incorruptible um, incorruptibility of the body. Uh, Saint Bernadette and Lourdes experienced this. Uh, Saint Josephine Bakhita uh, from Africa, she experienced this gift. Uh, so many other ones. Blessed Imelda experienced this gift in what was that the, the 10, 11, or 1200s. Um, so many. Padre Pio is kind of sort of incorruptible uh and so there are a number of saints who have oh one of my favorites is saint charbel and one of the cool stories about saint charbel is that saint charbel when they first exhumed his body after a few years it was um because i think like the grave was glowing and so people walked up to it and body was incorrupt and then like four years later it's still incorrupt five years later still totally incorrupt and then like 10 years later it decayed so it's kind of crazy how it was incorruptible at one point and then uh it decayed later but basically incorruptibility is the miraculous preservation of the body uh, from normal decay after death. So the body and the soul are no longer together. The soul is experiencing the beatific vision, uh, but the body remains intact. And so there isn't really like, there's not really a black and white definition of what kind of a condition one of these members in the body of Christ who have preceded us, like what kind of condition their body needs to be found in to be officially declared like incorruptibles. All right. Uh it doesn't have like some set standards for that. So um but I will say this Pope Benedict the Fourteenth, I think, he did say this. He said the only conservations um that that he was like willing to even like say was extraordinary when it came to to the incorruptible stuff were those that retained their lifelike flexibility, the color, and freshness without deliberate intervention uh, for many years following their deaths. He did not articulate what many years is supposed to be. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, it's up in the air, um, but it does mean that like, like when, you, like, when you I die, you didn't just embalm me, right? You didn't just put wax on me. However, now, a lot of incorruptible saints do have wax on them now because certain parts of their body decayed and other parts didn't. That's the case with Padre Pio. Some of Padre Pio's body has decayed and other parts has not decayed. And so they put some wax on him to, um, and same thing with Carlo, um, some of Carlo's body is completely incorruptible, and then parts of his body began to decay a little bit. So they put some wax on there as as well, so that uh, to preserve. So yeah, so but it's still it's still pretty cool. Why does God allow this to happen? I don't know. Maybe it's just imitation of Jesus. You know, Jesus was incorruptible. Maybe it's just one of the great gifts that he, the Father allows for some of us to experience. If it's going to help other people be drawn back to the ordinary way of salvation, which is the sacraments. Remember, God allows extraordinary events to happen in our lives and the lives of our loved ones, of our brothers and sisters, only so that we can be drawn to the ordinary path. Back to the ordinary path, which is scripture, which is sacraments, which is service to the poorest of the poor among us. So hopefully that was a sufficient answer. Now, we went from speaking about the saints. Oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in. Hey. I, I want to be in that number oh, when the Saints go marching. And my, my barber told me uh, he, my cousin's a barber, and he's opened up a new barber shop. And was like, yeah, a, I want to I have the Saints around my barber shop. And I was like, oh, yeah, which one? Like St. Jude, St. Teresa? He was like, nah, bro. I mean, like the Saints, Saints, like the football players. I was like, oh, cool. So next question comes in from Anonymous about not Saints, but the Aints, idolizing celebrities. Hello, Father Josh, I am 14, and I notice that nowadays many young people, including me, have idols like K-pop idols, and sometimes all of our time is spent watching their videos. I get confused, what is the meaning of the word idol, and how do I know if I'm idolizing someone? Also, I would like to ask if it is okay, or is, if it's a sin to have an idol or to idolize somebody. I thank you in advance, God bless Anonymous. That's a great question. So as i prayed about uh, maybe a helpful way to respond to your question is this is that people and places and things and activities are gifts that the lord allows us to experience and these gifts are meant to be icons for us icons point us to the one who should be our idol God and God alone. We should not have any other idol before God. And so we can have icons, that which points us to the Lord, that which draws us to God, that which refreshes us so that we can be available and attentive to God and serving God's people and falling in love with the Lord and staying in love with the Lord and abiding in love with the Lord, right? But an idol is an end, right? Icons are a means to an end and idol is an end in itself. God is our ultimate end. And so anytime we replace God and put a person, place, thing, activity as the end goal, then that's an idol now. So if you're you're K-pop, I'll be honest with you, I've heard the name K-pop. I probably should have Googled it before I did this show, but I'm pretty sure that's just like like the new way of saying pop music, maybe. I don't know. So if you're K-pop, it's just a fun thing you enjoy. That's fine. But if you are thinking about K-pop and speaking about K-pop and dreaming about K-pop and waking up and going to bed with K-pop on your mind and and that, that's your end, then I would say that that's, that's not good. And yeah, you should definitely bring that to the, conf- to the confessional to receive God's love and mercy and his grace from the sacrament. But if you just enjoy K-pop, I mean, God wants us to enjoy secular things like secular music and movies and TV shows and fishing and sports. It's not a problem to invest some time and energy into these goods, these lesser goods, these passing goods. It's fine to do that, but it's a problem if all your time is spent focusing on that K-pop as if K-pop is supposed to fulfill you. Anonymous, you were created with this infinite ache in your heart, an infinite hunger, an infinite longing. And K-pop, no matter how good you may think it is, it's not infinite. It's finite. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. It's passing. It cannot fulfill your deepest desires. Only the infinite God can fulfill your deepest desires. And so God wants to be the one who you turn to. If K-pop draws you to the Lord, if it allows you to be available to the Lord, then praise him. But if you're looking at K-pop as if it's supposed to be an end in and of itself, then I would say take some time and detach from it momentarily, and then maybe go back to it later. But there's a difference between an icon, a means to an end, and an idol, which is the end in and of itself. So yes, to have an idol, right? and again, it's not bad to have mentors or people you look up to, but... uh, but no, we should not place idols before before the Lord. So hopefully that was helpful. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into our final question. The final question is going to be about papal infallibility.
1: Every one of us is made in the image of God. We are unique, worthy of love, and called to greatness. In this world, though, we can be distracted from that truth and begin to doubt God's love is real. You see, we live in a world that tells us we are not smart, attractive, thin, or rich enough. It is easy to focus on the ways we fall short of worldly perfection and forget that we are already made perfect. We are already enough. I'm Danielle Bean, author of You Are Enough, what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth. You Are Enough dives into the stories of women in the Bible, so that you can fully see God's plan for your life. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon.
0: All right, all right, all right. Next and final question. We're going to talk about papal infallibility. So check this out. This comes in also from Anonymous. Anonymous. Hey, Father Josh, can you explain the teaching of the papal seat being infallible? I understand that even the Pope becomes fallible, but I'm not quite sure about the circumstances which make this true. Lately, I've been questioned about my obedience to a Pope, and I guess for my sake, I want an answer that is rooted deeper than the biblical and historical claims for the relevance and necessity of the Father of the Church. And I'm wondering if you can help me out a bit, Anonymous. Yeah, that uh, is a great question, and, and... It is certainly a point of conversation in many of our communications with our brothers and sisters, especially of different faiths. And so the church's teaching on paper fallibility uh, is typically one of the more common misunderstood teachings of the church for Catholics and for people who are not Catholic as well. So I guess it's pretty good to start with the via negativa first. Like, what does it not mean? It does not mean that everything that a pope says. On an airplane or in a restaurant, or even if he's speaking on a stage is infallible, right? Uh, a, a biblical example of of a pope who uh, was wrong, who was not speaking infallibly at all times is is Peter. Remember whenever Peter was um with the Gentile community and just his conduct was totally. Inappropriate, bro. It was totally inappropriate, and so he was rebuked by, by Paul. Uh, so this shows us that like he wasn't always speaking infallibly; like not everything that he said uh, was infallible. So the Pope is only speaking infallibly uh, when he is speaking from the chair of Peter right, ex cathedra, and whenever he is speaking in communion with his brother bishops from around the world, like the brother bishops also enjoy infallibility as well, like they, with the Holy Father, they do too, which is is pretty cool that they also get to experience that um, with him whenever they, as a body of bishops, as a whole, when they are in doctrinal unity with the pope and solemnly teach a doctrine as true. Uh, yeah, infallibility belongs to both the pope and to the body of bishops who are in union with the pope uh, when it comes to doctrine and speaking it as true. So we can give a shout-out to Vatican II for educating us on this topic. Vatican II explains this to us in Lumen Gentium 25. It says this, Although the individual bishops do not enjoy the prerogative of infallibility, they can nevertheless proclaim Christ's doctrine infallibly. This is so even when they are dispersed around the world, sitting on top top of the world, top of the world, top of the world, top of the world, provided that while maintaining the bond of unity among themselves and with Peter's successor, and while teaching authentically on a matter of faith or morals. They concur in a single viewpoint as the one which must be held conclusively. this authority is even more clearly verified when gathered together in an ecumenical council they are teachers and judges of faith and morals for the universal church. Their definitions must then be adhered to with the submission of faith faith so like where is this seen in in scripture? It's implicitly revealed in in the gospel of luke twenty two thirty two Remember when Jesus said, I prayed for you to Peter uh, that your faith may not fail. Remember also in the Gospels that Jesus told Peter, Pope, that what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven as well. So we have the scriptural claims, we have the early church fathers, all of their insights into papal infallibility, um, but you also have this rational, hopefully, explanation of papal infallibility. So basically, yeah, what it's not is it's not the Pope is always infallible. It's only when speaking on faith and morals from the chair of Peter or in communion and union with his brother bishops from all over the world when it comes to doctrinal unity. And, um, yeah, and so it doesn't mean that he's not a sinner. It doesn't mean he's not messed up sometimes. I'm not talking about Pope Francis or Pope Benedict or St. John Paul the Great. I'm talking about Pope's period. Uh, it just it just means that it's one of those gifts that the Lord has given us, his church, his bride, to keep us in a safe relationship with him. That way we won't stray and do things our own way in, in our own time. He wants us to do things his way, his will, his time. And so praise God we have the Pope um, and his successors to help us to stay in communion and union with God, not only in our heart and the way he makes us feel, but also in our mind in that which we think of him to be true in our walk toward eternity. Let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. I cannot wait to continue our walk together toward eternity.